0: Welcome to Bible Worm. We're on hiatus until September 2021, but this summer we're replaying our 2020 series on the Hebrew Festival Scrolls. This week, enjoy our episode on Ecclesiastes 4, 4-11, and 3, 1-11, from June 7, 2020. Happy listening, and see you in September. Bible Worm, Bible Worm, reading the Bible, Bible Worm.
1: Welcome to Bible Worm. I'm Dr. Amy Robertson, here each week with Dr. Robert Williamson. We are two Bible scholars and people of faith, one Jewish and one Christian. Bobby is a professor of religion at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas, and the founding pastor at Mercy Church in Little Rock. I am the executive director at Congregation Beit Haverim in Atlanta. Together we are Bible Worm, getting to the core of the biblical text. This week, we read from the book of Ecclesiastes aka Kohelet chapters 1 and 3. We ask ourselves, is it really true that there is nothing new under the sun? We look at that most famous poem to everything there is a season and see exactly why you'd best not look only at the net total of all of life's experiences. And we wonder what Kohelet might say about issues of justice in our time. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Bobby. How are you today?
0: Hey, Amy. I'm doing really well. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay.
0: It seems that like we rhymes. just keep doing this That's over and I mean. over again.
1: It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun, The Bobby. Relentless
0: Return of the Podcast, I think, is what it's called.
1: The Cyclical Nature of the Universe is what it's called.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: So for, for Week 2 in Cohelet, we have for you a little bit of Chapter 1. A little more of chapter one, verses four through 11. And then moving into chapter three, probably the most famous part of Kohelet that was turned into a song by the birds that we can all sing in our heads forever. Or we can sing it it out loud. Yeah, We can't because of laws.
0: Oh, oh, that's right.
1: We could sing it really badly in an unrecognizable fashion. Remember that time
0: (laughs) when we were trying to figure out if Bible Worms theme song violates copyright law and you said... As long as you sing it tunelessly like you usually do, it's probably okay. <laughs> so I could sing "Turn, turn for everything,
1: turn, turn, Stop. turn." I didn't, I didn't mean it to sound like that. <laughs> you just have a way of singing that's like suggestive. It suggest it just like it suggests a melody.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it.
1: So we are beginning in chapter one, verse four, and I am reading from the NJPS translation. One generation goes, another comes, but the earth remains the same forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and glides back to where it rises. Southward blowing, turning northward, ever turning blows the wind. On its rounds, the wind returns. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place from which they flow, the streams flow back again. This, is, I feel like in order to dig into this section, we have to go back a little bit to the verses that we talked about last time. Yeah, Those first couple of verses where Kohelet introduces us to some central themes and some central vocabulary. Mm. What stands out most to me is this idea of hevel. Yeah. Futility or vanity. Can you remind us? a little bit of uh, orient us in that conversation a little bit. Remind us what we've talked about.
0: So the idea of Hevel is this in verse two, the vanity of vanities or futility or something like that. It's just the core metaphor we talked about last time is that the world is vaporous. It's transient. It's ephemeral. It doesn't add up to anything. What's the connection that you see between that and this poem? I'm curious.
1: I mean, I guess I see this poem as sort of a, meditation exploration of what what havel means like what does that look like to say that everything is is vanity everything is vaporous but your question makes me think that you don't see that what do you see here well it's kind
0: of interesting because i I relate this poem much more strongly to one three which is that issue about what profit is there under the sun what do people gain from all the toil that they toil
1: And Mm -hmm. you have
0: this image here of a created order, which is, I mean, really busy. There's the sun is rising and setting. The wind is blowing here and there. The rivers are turning around. But when you get to the end of it, everything is exactly back where it started. Mm -hmm. So you've got this kind of framing of constant busyness paired by big picture stasis. And so in my mind, this is sort of the natural order showing you that th- that we never get anywhere but uh, the place where i connect to the hevel i think main mainly is in verse four a generation goes and a generation comes the earth remains forever so there's mm-hmm. this kind of sense that human beings as individuals dis- disappear quite quickly mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. even sort of make an appearance in this poem like we just we show up as generations coming and going right and so humanity itself is also in this cycle of Coming and going, but any individual within that cycle is kind of inconsequential. So that, in that sense, maybe there's the vaporousness of it.
1: Yeah, you know, hearing you talk about it, I think in some ways I have conflated those two ideas. That like part of my understanding of what it is for things to be vaporous or sort of you know something that you can't build upon it. It's, oh, it's yeah. ephemeral. It's temporary. I've I've linked that so closely in my mind to the idea of you're not making progress. You're not changing things. You're not making profit. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I appreciate that you pulled that out with a little more nuance. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think starting with this recognition of our profound smallness yes. in this system really shows you where Kohelet's head is at, right? It's not even just that that Kohelet himself doesn't have an impact. It's that entire generations have no impact that there's no we're we're not changing the system. The system is what it is.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. The system churns on with mm-hmm. without really being too concerned about us. We just we come and go. I think that's right.
1: Yeah, but and even the so we're really small and our humanity in general is a really small part of this, but even the huge steady permanent feeling natural world yeah. also has has no like legacy to leave because yeah. it just continues on in the same way. Like it's not progressing.
0: In the NRSV, I forget what it was in the JPS in verse five, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The Hebrew there is the is shoaf, which can mean panting. So you can read this as the sun rises, the sun goes down, and returns to the place returns panting to the place where it rises. So then if you read it that way, then the sun is like, oh, thank goodness I made it back. And then he's just got to go again. And now like, it's time to do it again. again. Oh, that's
1: depressing. It's like you
0: run a marathon and then they're like, okay, you're back to the starting line. Like, go oh, again. Oh,
1: God, that's depressing.
0: If you read it that way, you start to get this sense of like nature is exhausted. And so it's doing these constant tasks and it's not accomplishing anything. And it's sort of, it's wearing out. Like the sun is like, dude, just let me, <laughs> just let me yeah. go, you know? Yeah.
1: So- so yes, the sun is not making any progress, but I, I feel like I need to point out here that it's not at all that it's pointless that the sun rises every day.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. Like the sun, this sustains the natural world. Yeah. But it's sustaining a pattern cyclical system. Yeah. It's not linear progress. Right.
0: Yeah. I think that is crucially important. So it's only not accomplishing anything if you think, In pattern, like we were talking about last week, in patterns of profit, Mm -hmm. what is left over at the end, the answer is nothing. But if you think in terms of sustaining what is present, like if the sun stops rising and the winds stop blowing and the streams stop running, like. We're going to have
1: problems real quick. We're in trouble. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is accomplishing things. It's just not accomplishing anything. It's not producing anything extra. Yeah. I think that's really important.
1: Well, I would like to hear what, Koh- how, how, I want to hear about Cohelet's feelings. And I think the next couple of verses give us some information about his feelings.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay. So we are at verse eight. All such things are wearisome. No man can ever state them. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear enough of hearing. Only that shall happen, which has happened. Only that occur, which has occurred. There is nothing new beneath the sun. mm I'm particularly drawn or interested in that word wearisome.
0: The, the way the Hebrew is expressed there, yegeim, can mean all things are wearisome. And it can also mean all things are weary, which I think points in interesting kind of two directions. Like it can point back at what we were just reading about the earth and like yeah. the earth itself is weary. And it can point forward mm. toward human experience of life. Mm-hmm. Like all things are wearisome. Like you just watch the sunrise every day and like eventually- It's exhausting. You get yeah. exhausted. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it makes me think of these sort of periods in my life where I become aware that I, I am so eager to get through my list of chores or things I have to do every day. And all I want to do is be done. Like yeah. I want to be done and be on the couch. A lot of adult has been figuring out how not to buy bifurcate, my days in that way, like yeah. not to rush through the list with the ultimate goal of being done. Yeah, or not all the time anyway. Yeah, but I think that really points back to to the bigger messages in Kohelet.
0: No, I th- that's really well said. Yeah, and there's a sense in which we are we are never done, and right. that's what Kohelet is saying here: the earth is never done, we're never yep. done, and so it's that goal of being done or having accomplished all the things that need to be accomplished.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's when you put that goal out in front of you that you you get weary.
1: You get weary, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't you can't get there until you die.
0: Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I love here is in verse eight. The NRSV: the eye is not satisfied with seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. Mm. And in my mind, that is pointing us back to that image of the sea with the rivers rushing into it. The mm-hmm. the ear is constantly hearing things. The eye is constantly seeing things, but it never like you never reach your hearing quota that's or your seeing quota. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, I love that connection.
0: So no matter how much you see, you'll never see enough. No matter how much you hear, you'll never hear enough.
1: And similarly, you're—I mean, I—I I don't know. that Kohelet means it in a positive way, but like, it's not like there are only a certain number of things you can see, and right, then you've yeah. used up your seeing.
0: One of these things that's interesting to me with Kohelet, but it's here too, is like you can read this—you can read this really positively, or you can read this really mm-hmm. negatively, and like it allows mm-hmm. both of those things Mm. and a little bit depends on one of the things that people say about the book of Ecclesiastes is it's like the biblical Rorschach test uh, and what you think about it may say more about like how your own experience of the world is rather than what Ecclesiastes is actually saying
1: yeah that's really interesting and I
0: even find myself on some days when I read it I'm like oh my gosh this is exhausting and on some days when I read it I'm like oh yeah I need to like appreciate the things I see
1: yeah (laughs) well I mean I think it yeah it depends sort of how how wedded you are to this other model of profit and progress yeah. and linear progress. Because yeah. kohela does spend a lot of time bashing that to smithereens. He does. Which will hurt your feelings if that's your life you know, yeah. goal. What do you do with verse
0: 9? What has been is what will be and what has been done. Uh, sorry, what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the
1: sun. I love that nothing new under the sun. Yeah. It's so dramatic. You know, th- there have been some parallel phrases to that found in other ancient Near Eastern texts. And I I wonder if Kohelet knew this phrase from those other texts, like if it was sort of part of the pop culture, not, you know, not his religious life per se, not part of his religious texts, but part of just the world he was in. And it gives me this image in my mind of of him trying to make sense of the world that he sees and the religious texts that he has and just sort of all the different inputs that he's sifting through and ruminating on in this in this book, for the whole book. Yeah. Do you have particular thoughts about that phrase or um, responses to it?
0: Sometimes people will read this as there's nothing new under the sun, which means there are new things over the sun. So the, he's sort yeah. of bifurcating earthly and heavenly reality. Uh-huh. I the think rabbis a-
1: of the Talmud like that idea too. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. D- that it's like a directive to be more focused on the spiritual world. Like, there's nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Like, don't don't direct your attention at the rising and setting sun. Yeah. Instead, think of the spiritual. Think world. Think of
0: bigger things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting and rich religious reading of the text, and I've heard something similar among Christian interpreters. I don't think that is probably what Kohelet means because, you know, as we talked about last week, he thinks what's going on in the heavens is completely inscrutable Mm -hmm. and we don't have any access to those things. And so he's almost sort of closed that door to say, well, we don't know what's going on in the heavens, so we got to focus here. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I think what Kohelet is probably saying here is that we don't know what's happening in the heavens. And so we've got to focus here on the earth. But what happens here on the earth is just repetitive and nothing innovative or new ever happens.
1: Let's read the last two verses of this section. Yeah. And because they tie a little bit into this theme too. And Let's then we can uh, we can return to the conversation. Okay. We're on verse 10. Sometimes there is a phenomenon of which they say, look, this one is new. It occurred long since in ages that went by before us. The early ones are not remembered. So too, those that will occur later will no longer be remembered than those that will occur at the very end. So is it really true that there's nothing new under the sun? I mean, yeah. I
0: So I struggle with this one because I do think that there is a, something about, you know, like, there are all kinds of new things that happen, right? So we're recording a podcast and there weren't podcasts 10 years ago. We're talking to each other on the internet and there wasn't an mm-hmm. internet until Al Gore <laughs> invented it. Stop uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it seems like there are new things. Uh, Kohelet is saying... Uh, These things that you think are new have already been done before us. And so I struggle a little bit with what he means there.
1: Maybe he means that like the dinosaurs had an internet and we don't know about it because it says (laughs) the ages that went by before us. So like
0: way before us.
1: You don't know what happened.
0: Yeah. We could be like Bible worm could become like the new source of conspiracy theories about the origins of technology.
1: Nothing would make me happier. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, I mean, yeah, if you look at, like, the broad strokes of nature and human experience and whatever, yes, the in the broad strokes, people like to discuss and debate. People like to make music. People like to, you know. Th- yeah. But the specific ways in which that happens, certainly the technologies do evolve. Maybe Kohala just doesn't know that.
0: So one of the ways I talk about this with my students is to think about, like, the, how excited the guy who invented the 8-track recorder must have been to invent the 8-track. And then, you know, 10 years later, somebody comes along and invents the cassette. And then 10 years after that, somebody invents the CD and then the MP3. And and on we go. So these things that seem like, holy crap, like we did something new, really is just like another version of something somebody did before. Maybe Maybe it's a little better. Maybe it's a little mm-hmm. smaller. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a little faster. But it's basically the same thing. And the thing that you just did that you think is so amazing Someone else is going to come along and do it better 10 years from now. And so there's no actual like there's no there's no lasting significance to anything that we do. That's the closest I come to really understanding maybe what he's what he's after.
1: I don't think Kohelet's thinking about it with that fine of a point on it. You know, Mm. like I think he's saying the kinds of things that the kinds of things that change don't matter. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not satisfied with that either, though.
0: Well, no one's ever satisfied with anything, Amy that's the, whole, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the whole, point.
0: yeah, but what you were saying about maybe it's progress and uh, you know, and you know the whole idea that progress is an illusion, and you hear that sort of said a little tritely sometimes, but mm-hmm. but there really is something yeah. too that when you think about like you know when you look around what's happening in our world today or just more yeah. kind of technologically sophisticated versions of exactly the same problems that were happening. You know, a hundred years ago, and a thousand years ago, and in biblical times, mm-hmm. and so the yeah, so this this idea that maybe we have progressed technologically, but that technology hasn't really gotten us anywhere. We're yeah, we're still stuck no, in the same. No, ta- that's
1: I mean, that's I I love that connection, and I'm picturing all those pictures of elderly folks protesting that are holding up signs and saying like, I can't believe I'm still protesting. Yeah. This. Yeah like there was a sense that progress had been made such a short time ago yeah. and not not m- not so much yeah yeah
0: in verse 11 the problem that he points out is the frailty of human memory this gets us back into a conversation that we were having a little bit last week about you know like people's memories are too frail or that society's memory is too frail to preserve anything that has been done mm-hmm. so this idea that we're doing something new and different is simply that we don't know our history, we can't remember what happened, and so we think that we're doing something new and, and innovative when in fact mm-hmm. we're just repeating what's happened in the past.
1: yeah, and I think it really does underscore that idea of of personal legacy you yeah. You're not leaving one yeah <laughs> no yeah, so if you go back legacy.
0: and say what gain is there, then any gains you actually think you made are illusions because they've yeah. already it's already happened previous
1: to you mm-hmm. yeah reading this reading this little section in particular it it raises the question to me of why does something need to be new like (laughs) especially if if something's new to me like i don't know what happened in ages of old isn't that sufficiently exciting like why does it have to be cosmically new and i mean i think you
0: could read Ecclesiastes. that's a great question i think you could read ecclesiastes as actually critiquing the kind of fascination with newness yeah um as saying like we get all excited about new things but they aren't really new so, like, right. we need to find some, we need to find some other way of gauging value.
1: I think our culture's fascination with innovation for the sake of innovation yeah. is really frustrating. But we yeah. can talk about that
0: later. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm turning the page in my Tanakh. Turn, turn, turn yeah. that page <laughs>
0: <Stop>. <laughs> for every oh.
1: page. Bobby, I think I hurt your feelings. There is a I didn't, turn. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Okay, uh, chapter three, verse one. A season is set for everything, a time for every experience under heaven, a time for being born and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting the planted, a time for slaying and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for weeping and a time for laughing, a time for wailing and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing and a time for shunning embraces, a time for seeking and a time for losing, a time for keeping and a time for discarding, a time for ripping and a time for sewing, a time for silence and a time for speaking, a time for loving and a time for hating, a time for war and a time for peace. Yeah. There's a lot of examples.
0: That's a lot of examples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So how do we start to look at this poem other than to say like, that's a lot of examples, Kohelet.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting that it's 14 examples, which is seven times two, which I think mm-hmm. is significant. So like the seven times two. And so it's the completeness like of the number as seven as a sense of wholeness. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot, but I think it's intentionally a lot. And then moving back and forth in these pairs that are I mean one can read them as sort of basically as opposites birth death killing healing morning dancing and it's a fascinating way of thinking about about what life is like and in, in verse one for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven and so there's a sense in which you know all of these all of these experiences are proper to human existence like Mm-hmm. They belong in a human life.
1: In that first verse, the NJPS is a season is set for everything. And yours is, you know, there is a season for everything. Yeah. Does that sound to you like it's sort of the schedule has been set for it? you like, is there a sense of predetermined times in your reading of that? So I would read that a little
0: bit in light of our conversation last week about predeterminism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes.
0: And, and kind of the way that I read it. Yeah. Is that we don't, have control over what season we're in Mm -hmm. and whether we think of that as like from long ago before the world was created, these seasons were determined for us or -hmm. whether we think of that as given what has happened in our life last week, here's the season we are now in and you can't not be in that season. Like, like I tend Mm -hmm. toward the second one of those, like life happens to us Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: it happens and we can't make it not happen And so the seasons come to us. We don't pick the season. Which
1: in some way sort of obviates the question of like, is it preset before we even start our life journey or does God decide along the way? You you know, that's one of those questions Kohelet doesn't really want us to ask.
0: Yeah, we can't know the answer to that question, I think is what uh, what Kohelet would say. Yeah. So yeah, so some people will read this as like justification for like, well, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for war. And so let's go. Attack somebody. Yeah. And I don't think that's what I don't think Ecclesiastes means for this to be justifying you can do what kind of whatever you want because there's a season for everything. <laughs> I think this is observational <laughs> to say these are the seasons that people pass through in a lifetime. If you imagine a a life, like people will see all of these things.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not like right. commending like them the, to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is like the full continuum of experiences yeah that happen. To human beings on Earth. Yeah. Do you find this comforting?
0: Like, there's a there's a beauty to it, on the one hand. Like, instead of thinking of life as this trajectory that goes from here to there. Yeah. Um, and we can achieve a state that is permanently, like, we can achieve a happily ever after that really is ever after happy. Which is a lot of pressure. Yeah. This is saying, look, your life is going to move back and forth between these poles and these like 14 different poles. Like it's going to cycle. Yeah. And so you don't like you're never going to achieve permanent happiness. You're never going to achieve permanent anything. Right. Right. So and the we one spend a ha- lot of
1: time grieving when we when we're happy and then lose lose whatever yes. we feel it was that was making us happy. We grieve.
0: Yeah. yeah. And even we we can. We like we achieve happiness and we can be so anxious that we're going to lose happiness that we Uh forget to be happy. And what this poem is saying kind of relieves you of that. And it's saying like, look, if I mean, the beauty part of this is if you're in a time of mourning, like your mourning is not going to last forever. There's going to be dancing again. And it may not seem like it right now, but Mm -hmm. dancing will happen again. So like, let this season be what it is. Don't wish Mm -hmm. it was something else. And Mm -hmm. eventually it with the with the passage of time, it will yield. Mm-hmm. To something better. Yeah,
1: I can I can certainly see the comfort in that. Like no feeling lasts forever. Yeah. The good ones or the bad ones. Yeah, so that's the part
0: that's a little harder to get your head around is the opposite of that is also true. If you're yeah. dancing yeah. right now, yeah. you're like, don't get too attached to dancing because you're going to be mourning again before you know yeah.
1: it. Hopefully, um, if you're really happy in dancing, you're not reading this text.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 but that's his point, And it comes back to what we were talking about last week is... It, you cannot spend so much time worrying that the t- that the dancing time is going to end, that you forget to dance. Like, when it's time to dance, you should dance. And when it's time to mourn, you should mourn. And yeah. both of those seasons are appropriate to human life. You're going to experience them both. So let, let it be what it is. Like, in my mind, that's a... I don't know if it's comforting exactly, but it's realistic. Yeah. In a way that relieves some pressure.
1: And creates create space for sadness and hard things in our yeah. lives and doesn't make us feel like stop wailing yeah no there's a time for wailing like yeah there's there's space for all of that you know i remember years ago we, i was in a having a tough time with some some stuff and um there was someone who was close to me who was suffering a great deal and had a lot of support but it just seemed really hard and sad and you know we all worried a lot and i was talking to a wise friend of mine who said. Nothing bad is happening here, yeah, meaning I think precisely what Kohelet is saying, like mm. there is someone who is suffering, yeah, it's not that you want someone to be suffering, of course, you don't, but someone is suffering, and they're being supported by the community, and that is a thing that happened like it's not I don't know how to I don't know how to articulate how powerful it was to me in that moment to hear like this is part of the normal course of events, like the world is not ending. This is part of the human experience and you're not outside the human experience. You are within the human experience having a hard time.
0: That's really lovely.
1: Okay. So now we are up to verse nine, chapter three, verse nine. Mm -hmm. What value then can the man of affairs get from what he earns? I have observed the business that God gave man to be concerned with. He brings everything to pass precisely at its time. He also puts eternity in their mind, but without man ever guessing from first to last all the things that God brings to pass. I love this reference in verse 9 to a man of affairs. (laughs) What value can the man of affairs get? Like I pictured this little biblical businessman with his little briefcase, (laughs) his little business suit made of goat hair or whatever they made business suits from.
0: Wearing some kind of a hat.
1: Yeah, probably a hat, some kind of spectacles. Anyway, (laughs) yes. In, in verse nine, when it says, what value? Yeah. That's that's ye trone, right? Is that ye trone?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so it just, we were talking about last week, that just means mm-hmm. like, if you think about your life as a sort of like as a fiscal year, and you think like over the course of my life, like what have I produced that lasts beyond me? Or like, what have I put out into the world that's greater than what I've taken in? Mm-hmm. And throughout the book so far, he's been saying, well, everything is Hevel, so everything is nothing. So he's, there is no profit is this kind of thing. Like nothing you do makes any profit for you. And so he's applying that here. I mean, it's just such an interesting place for him to ask that it's question. It's a
1: fascinating place. I mean, if we read the poem back with this verse. Yeah. I start to see, which I didn't see before, but the sort of lack of control that humans have and the paired opposites. Yes. Right. in in the poem, at least metaphorically, they kind of cancel each other out. Yeah. So it's not just, it is, it is the range of human experience, but it's also the sum total of that experience is bupkis.
0: Yeah. And so one of the ways that I suggested last week of sort of reframing the question, what profit is there is what has my life added up to? And
1: yeah. that question
0: of adding up gets exactly what you're saying is if you add this poem together, it adds up to zero. If it's true that it adds up to bupkis, like then what, So th- so what then?
1: So then we, you have to shift the question. Yeah, Like, I think that's Kohelet's whole message that we can't, there is no linear progress. You are not going to make a net profit, Yeah, but that's not the point. You know, I I used to call my kid, my, my son, little Kohelet. And I think actually a lot of kids are really kohelet mm. but at the time, at least I think it was, I associated it with him playing video games that he kept asking, like, but what's the point of life? Like, what's the end game? Like, what are we trying? What are we? (laughs) He was really asking sort of the Kohelet question. And he was remarkably unsatisfied with my (laughs) answers. (laughs) Yeah. But that's I mean, that's the conversation that I see here. Like, if this were a game, if this were a business model, if this were, I don't know, anything that that moves in a linear way that you can win or lose, or you can amass points, or you can well, I mean, not if it were. It's not. It's not. Kohelet's saying it's not.
0: Because like that stuff in one, in in one through eight is really rich and beautiful, right? Birth and death and dancing and
1: <laughs> right. Is that and really nothing? No- right. Laughing. Is it really nothing? It's not of nothing. Course it's not nothing.
0: Yeah. It's only nothing if you ask the question, "What did it add up to?"
1: Right. If w- it's only nothing when you try to add it up.
0: Otherwise, it's this like rich, like oh my gosh, like what an amazing experience human life is. Where we we all of these things happen to us, we go through all of these times, yeah. and this is the like this is the one of the tapestry of our lives that we can, you know, we get to spend our lives like just experiencing what this is all what this is all about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then his question is saying, "This is a stupid question." <laughs> like the the problem <laughs> is uh, when we ask, "What does it add up to?" or "What gain is there?" We just we erase the beauty of human existence. Yes. Uh, That's where I, yeah, I I love that interpretation.
1: I I love the way you've articulated that. We we erase the beauty of the whole thing when we try to see it through that lens. Yeah. Can you talk to me about God putting eternity
0: Uh, in our minds? So, I mean, I think what's happening here is human beings have a finite capacity for experience. But we are aware that there is history that Mm -hmm. stretches in both directions well past us Mm -hmm. and we are sort of wired to try to figure out how it all fits together and what our role is
1: like why would you wire people that way if they can't understand it
0: yeah i mean one of the things that i have said from time to time is like these things when we ask the question why would god do that i always want to spin that around and say why would a human author say that god did that
1: yeah that's a better question
0: what I think Kohelet is doing or is saying, this is a reality of the human experience that yeah. we are self-conscious beings who are capable of thinking before and after ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's a weird thing to be, <laughs> like mm-hmm. to be a finite yeah. creature who knows you're finite. Yes. This is part of the struggle of human life. You know, like presumably squirrels and wildebeests, you know, right? don't think about those things. They don't ponder. Right. They're like, not
1: thinking about their legacy.
0: Yeah. So in that sense, human beings, you know, in the, in the sense that we're mortal beings, we're like squirrels, but in yeah. the sense that we can think of ourselves in the big picture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're like self-conscious squirrels, <laughs> which is a, which is a <laughs> weird thing to be. Yeah. It's a one way of thinking about, you know, kohelet's saying like, how do we deal with this as human beings? Well, God put this in, it's, it's part of our nature. God put it there and it is a busy nest that, that can occupy us. And I think what he's saying is, but try not to let it occupy you. Try mm-hmm. not to dwell on the fact that you are a mortal being who can think about what's going to happen after you and before y- what happened before you.
1: Right. Like we have we have this obstacle like that we're aware of that we yeah. are, are wired to want to think about these questions and you know maybe that helps us appreciate that we are a small piece of a much bigger system. Yeah. But for Kohelet's purposes, it's an obstacle. <laughs> yeah. But if we can understand it, then I don't know, maybe we can move past yeah. it. Yeah. I think we have arrived at our concluding moments where yeah. we try to pull some lessons for today from this text. But what are you thinking, Bobby? What would you want to pull out?
0: Like, I'm really drawn to this thinking of life in seasons from chapter three. And the, like, I have a really strong compulsion to always be asking what my life is adding up to and like what how, how is what i'm doing now how does it build on or improve on what i did la- before and and so this poem really challenges me and the the poem and the question that follows what gain is there to think to re- to do this reframing that you're talking about and to think about life as moving in these seasons that are to be experienced but not necessarily to be added together mhm I also worry about Ecclesiastes a little bit because his attitude is life kind of happens to you and there's not that much you can do about it. Mm -hmm. So just let it, let it be what it is. And sometimes I think that's really good advice. Like there are certain Mm -hmm. things that we need to let be what they are and like not try to make them something other than what they are. But you know, we're recording this kind of in the middle of the george floyd events all around the protests and the police brutality and the suppression of those by the military and
1: where we uh, sure need to be (laughs) trying to change things exactly
0: yeah so one can read ecclesiastes as sort of saying there's a time of oppression and so you know oppression will eventually that's today
1: so don't worry about it yeah yeah oppression will
0: eventually yield to something else so just like Experience yeah. the oppression, right? Yeah, and so I mean, I think, and you know, we talked a little bit about how the author, or at least the speaking voice, Kohelet seems to be someone of some privilege, and I think mm-hmm. his privilege shows it through pretty strongly in that attitude. He, Ecclesiastes is not a good book for thinking about how do we how do we generate justice in an mm-hmm. unjust world. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's really good at other things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I that I say, I'm mean, gonna say it about a lot of biblical texts, but Ecclesiastes in particular, I'm glad it's in my Bible. And I'm glad it's not the only thing that's in my Bible,
1: you know, I think that's such an important point to not try to force sections of our canon to be everything. you know, yeah. Kohelet engages some important questions in really important ways and doesn't engage other important questions, yeah.
0: and he does not think he doesn't think at all about justice. no. I'm trying to think how how would you apply his sort of philosophy to the idea of justice? where I come out is like justice is not something that you achieve that then remains achieved. Mm-hmm. It is a thing that wants to cycle back to injustice. And mm-hmm. so there is a constancy to fighting for and justice. So it's,
1: yeah. No, I mean, I think that's true. And I think that goes back to, you know, the people holding up signs of protests. Like, why am I still doing this? Because the work is ongoing and every day.
0: Yeah. And one of the fallacies of kind of liberalism is that we're going to, we're going to be able to achieve some kind of, a uh, wonderful prog- status yeah we're gonna get state.
1: somewhere yeah, yeah.
0: and then, then we don't have to do the work anymore yeah and so to say well the work is always trying to undo itself or the work is somebody's always trying to undo the work and so you have to keep pressing on it so then you're then you're able to take ecclesiastes idea that the world doesn't remain constant but instead yeah. of saying so let it happen you're saying so like there's some things that are worth fighting for mm-hmm. and justice is one of those yeah, I don't know what Ecclesiastes would think about that, but I, I wish that he had thought more about it, I guess.
1: <laughs> That's why there's a continuing tradition.
0: Yeah. Where do you go when you read these texts?
1: Well, this text is read on Sukkot in the Jewish tradition. Sukkot is a harvest festival in the fall. It is just lovely. It's a celebration and People build sort of outdoor hut-like structures, and you're supposed to dwell in your hut as much as you can over the course of the week and eat your meals in there. And it's a beautiful holiday. It's about a week long. And I often hear the question, why would we read such a depressing text as Kohelet (laughs) at such a happy uh, occasion? Yeah. And one response I've heard is just that, you know, we have to remember that there's sadness in every happiness and happiness in every sadness. But I don't like that one too much, so we're not going to use that. (laughs) There is sort of inherently in the celebration of Sukkot, like there is a celebration of this moment that you're in, right? You have your harvest and it's, and, and you should enjoy it and you should enjoy it in part because you can't just put it aside and save it forever. Like if you had a great bounty, that's wonderful, but it has a, it has a timestamp on it, right? And even if it was a great harvest, you're going to have to start over and do it all again next year. Yeah. You can't say I've I've reached this level of harvest and now right. <laughs> I can rely on it every year. I mean, you can take yeah. good care of your soil or not take good care of your soil, but the work continues and you, yeah. you don't get to just check it off your list and be done. And there is an inherent vulnerability about it. Like we are at the mercy of a system we can't control. There could yeah. be crazy weather. There could be locusts. There could be, you know, whatever. We could have a good harvest or a bad harvest regardless of our efforts, and so I actually think Kohelet's a, a great text to read, but you do have to get past our sort of initial, the initial sadness we may have that Kohelet is smashing our illusions that we are making progress and checking yeah. things off the list. There is no list, and you're not checking anything off. Yeah. I love Kohelet. <laughs>
0: Me too. I do. He was my constant companion for (laughs) for about a year when I was working on my (laughs) dissertation. And it made me a little bit weird after a while, but.
1: (laughs) That's okay. But it's a good text. But you're not weird in a totally unique way because there's nothing new under the sun. Oh,
0: yeah, no. There's been
1: someone weird like this before. Oh,
0: people much weirder than me. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, next week we move on into Lamentations yeah Echa? is that right that yeah. is right and that is feeling so The th- gosh it's feeling so relevant to me to find yeah. to talk about elevating the human experience of being able to raise our voice and lament yeah um at this moment so i look forward to that conversation
0: i'm looking forward to it too all right
1: Alrighty, i'll See talk you to you then time. bye Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bible Worm. I hope you'll join us next week as we wade into the challenging but very important book of Lamentations. See you then.